Reconstructionist Radio presents The War Room, where we discuss tactics for strategic Christian living. on the ground uh, segment with Joe Salant. I am blessed uh, to be doing a Google Hangouts right now with my man, Nicholas Perez, out there in Southern California right now, undisclosed location in a bunker, uh, planning the next move, strategizing for King Jesus on the front lines and the work of abolition and Christian reconstruction in Southern California my man, Nicholas Perez, welcome to the War Room. Thank you, brother. Glad to be here. Man, so uh, before uh, we start this interview, and what it's going to be about is the California Ballot Initiative to abolish abortion in California, the work of abolitionists out there in Southern California, swinging the acts of abolition, the gospel of the kingdom of God against the evil of the age, in California, wonderful brothers and sisters out there. It's an amazing team uh, right there in the devil's playground, uh, advancing, uh, exercising dominion for our king uh, right there where it's really kind of the darkest morally in our in our country. These brothers and sisters are shining like lights. Um, uh, before we get into this interview, uh, you know, quick little background about Nicholas Perez from my perspective. Y'all know that I was, I you know, I've only been a Christian reconstructionist and abolitionist for about a year now. And one of the first things that I did when I became a, uh, a reconstructionist was, and the Lord had been working on me a little bit before that, but I, I, I go online and I'm going to tell you what, you can get more of an education on Facebook than you can in the best seminaries uh, in the country and in the world, best Bible colleges, you can get really much more of an education on Facebook. And so I'd go around <laughs> Facebook, and this is kind of still when I was like a pro-life professional, evangelical pulpit poacher. I'd go around Facebook, and I'd see like Bo Marinoff and Joel McDermott and all these ca- kind of cats, and I'd just be looking around on their threads, uh, just learning as much as I can, just seeing how they would kind of divide the word of God against all comers and things like that. Just seeing how the acts of uh, Christian uh, reconstruction uh, function on the field of play. And every so often I'd see a comment uh, from Nicholas Perez who would jump up there. I'm like, oh, man, this guy's smashing, too. And uh, so I just knew him kind of from these conversations online. And when I started, when I felt like I knew kind of enough and I knew enough that evangelicalism and uh, pro-lifeism just wasn't the way to go, just wasn't a biblical method. And I came out with my statement against the pro-life movement, kind of resigning from the evangelical speaking circuit and all of that. Um, When I did that, I came out with a couple live videos and Uh, So I see a comment. I said something on one of my live videos, I believe, about natural law or something like that. I was trying to preserve some of the old and whatever. And uh, then Nick Perez comes up and he and he kind of smashes on that. Like, hey, where can I find natural law in the scripture? Uh, Where does it where where can I read about what it says in this so-called natural law? 
and I knew as soon as I saw that, I was like, ah, yeah, he, he got me. That's, that's, uh, <laughs> that's definitely some paganism I'm trying to smuggle in. And, uh, so I mean, from that moment on, I said, Hey brother, you know, look, if, if there's something that you see that I'm doing, man, just, just offer some correction, man. And, uh, and, and help me, help me walk this thing out. Uh, because I came out immediately kind of as a public figure already and embraced this, um, this just radical difference. I mean, a gospel of all of life and everything like this. And this brother has been with me, uh, you know, from the start of my journey as an abolitionist and, the, and a Christian reconstructionist, and is just such a sharp mind. He has the ability really to kind of discern good and evil in all things. He's very spiritually mature. He has incredible insight. Uh, he knows if you're uh, he knows if you're kind of just trolling on a Facebook thread or if you're actually seriously trying to seek truth. He's super gracious, but he he kind of knows how to divide and everything like that as well as gather. And this man is doing some powerful work uh, as an abolitionist out there in Southern California. Uh, Nick, I just want to let you know, man, you, you, you've meant a lot to, to me and to my family and, and to what I'm doing out here. Uh, as a war room host and, and everything like that. So I just want to let you know, I appreciate you, brother. And it's kind of a, uh, uh, really cool for me to have you on today. Man, it's bounce ideas off each other. You know that I'm always trying to sharpen myself as I'm, as I'm sharpening you and we're both maturing together. I'm actually in the same boat as you. And that's one of the things I always say. That's one of the things that's been on my heart all day. And, um, since I knew we had this, uh, meeting coming up I, I i wanted to throw it out there and throw a shout out for facebook and the, and the, the capacity to get a, a theological education on facebook and um that's really where i got it man thank god i mean all the years in, in prison i mean i've been out of prison for about five years now but and all the years in prison and studying you know i got to study all the a lot of important reformed uh minds there but it, it wasn't until getting on Facebook. And even though I tried, I'm, I'm searching everywhere for churches out here since I got out. And, and this Presbyterian and that Presbyterian, you know, I'm looking for the old school. I'm going straight to the OPC, you know, the Machin, the John Murray. I'm looking for the Van Til that I've been reading in prison. I'm going after the OPC. Let me go find these these presuppositional minds, you know, these pastors that are that I'm expecting to be so much smarter than I am. And yeah. here I am in these OPC churches and not getting it. You know, I'm out there finding pietism. I'm out there finding uh, people playing church. And I go on Facebook and I'm here I am being sharpened here on Facebook. And and I and here I, I go go to another Presbyterian church, find the same thing. Have to come back to Facebook if I'm going to get fed. And it's 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 <laughs> it's real, something? man. And and, and we we need something? to. Re- we do need to realize, and I think, and, and I'm going to admonish, admonish all of my brothers to take online fellowship more seriously. Not that face-to-face communication and breaking bread together is not, is not necessary for, for Christian growth and, and for fellowship. But in this dark age that we're in, in the age where, where Presbyterianism and the Reformed world has fallen, you know, where churches succumb to pietism. And we've been trampled. We're, we're, we're salt being trampled under the feet of men. The place to go for being sharpening is is Facebook, man. Thank God, boat <laughs> is you, bro. It's, it's it's crazy, kind of exercising dominion over over Facebook and what you can what you can learn. Yeah, absolutely, brother. Look, why don't you fill us in real quick on your journey uh, to Christian Reconstruction and, and abolitionism? So, I mean, wherever you feel like you want to start with that. 
what, what, what made you become a recon and abolitionist? This, I, you know, I can't quite put my finger on that. I never did have the, the, the two kingdom mindset, you know I mean? Since, since early on, I look at the scriptures and I see thou shalt not steal. And that led me to capitalism. You know, I say, okay, it's wrong for me to steal. It's wrong for the fed to steal. It's wrong for the, for the governor and the mayor to steal. It's wrong to steal. It's wrong to steal. I, and, and being in prison for so long, reading all these books, reading, you know, being confronted. I had a lot of friends who are libertarians in prison. And so I got to read the Austrians and some, some, some Rothbard and some Tom Woods and some Ayn Rand. I read just about everything. So I, I was a very serious capitalist. And, and the funny thing is capitalism is what, that's what ended up leading me into uh, Calvinism. I read um, uh, uh, Dr. Singer's book on, on the American interpretation of church history and, 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 and he firmly believed and was and was preaching throughout that book that Calvinism is the foundation of of that that, that John Calvin was uh, the first founding father of, of America. So uh, I took that to heart and I began to realize, wow, you know, sovereign God, His law being the foundation, and and I just begin to piece it together and see the relationship between uh, an absolutely sovereign God and being the being the foundation of of society. And be, little by little, I begin to piece together you know, theonomy. And I begin to, uh, um, pastor John Weaver, I begin to pick up different books and, and teaching me, you know, pastor John Weaver teaching me the doctrine of the lesser magistrates and, and, um, uh, the application of the universal priesthood of all believers to, to the culture that we are all policemen. And, you know, and just mm. God is just planting these seeds and I'm not an educated man. You know, I was in, I got my education in prison. I got my education because I had thousands and thousands of hours to study books. Oh, you're an educated man. <laughs> that yeah. self-taught. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that was, yeah. Tell us, uh, tell us about, uh, about that. So you're in, you're in prison, right? How, how long were you in prison for? Nine years. So the pagan state put you in a cage for nine years. For, uh, for a sin or a crime? Hostage. For a sin or a for crime? For a sin, yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's hard to say. Talk you know, about you that know, for a second. You know, to be honest, I'm, I'm even struggling with that. I was a dope dealer. They caught me with uh, uh, about five ounces of meth, about 120 pounds of, of, of weed. They caught me with a Mac 90 and a Mossberg shotgun. And um, I, I I struggle with, with whether or not now it's even a... Uh, is it? Does the Bible teach that it's a sin to to do drugs? I don't really know. I used to just take that for granted. Somebody asked me. We were having a debate the other day um, about prostitution being a crime, not and 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 I mentioned about drug drug abuse being a sin. And somebody said, "Well, is doing is does the Bible teach that smoking weed is?" I don't know. So I'm working. I'm working on a lot of that out. But one. Th- so whether or not uh, drug use. To one extent or another, I mean, there's no question to one extent of abusing your body and destroying yourself is a sin. But, um, man, there's some things that I'm working out there. But I was I do believe that I was sinning. I do believe that it was wrong to. Well, it's certainly not a crime. Though. There's point. a difference between a sin and a crime. That's and, and, and a crime. I was not committing a crime. I know. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so the standard that we have weapons, for that is biblical, right? The standard. We don't right. have another standard. It's a biblical. Standard. So if it's a sin. Uh, you're not supposed to be locked in a cage. Well, there's no there's no uh, standard in the Bible to be locked in a cage to begin with. Uh, the prison right. industrial yeah. complex. I mean, I guess you could hold somebody until, um, you know, in, in, until they're executed or something like that. If they're, you know, a murderer or something. But uh, 
Uh, it should be swift, uh, swift penalty, and and there's no prisons in, in in the word of God. And the standard of the word of God alone, our audience really, I mean, our audience knows this, but when we kind of you know put this interview out there more because we're going to be talking about the petition to abolish abortion in California. For those people who don't who are, are new to this conversation, we say, well, it's just uh, it's obvious we have prisons, and you know people are locked up in them because yeah. they do wrong things. Well, the Bible is the only standard if we're going to be Christian in, in all of our ways of thinking, correct? And yeah. so you were locked in a cage for nine years for something that the Bible does not criminalize. And that's a big exactly. deal. That's a big deal, the, right? It's the definition of kidnapping. They, they committed a capital crime against me um, under the pretense of law enforcement. Um but as you always so eloquently say, it's humanistic lawlessness enforcement. It's not law enforcement at all. And it has become a complex. It has become a profiteering scheme, you know, for our politicians and their friends to another way to enslave us, take advantage anyway, without Amen. getting too deviated on the 13th, on the, on the 14th amendment, 13th amendment will, um, Right. Yeah, we'll agree that this, this is not a crime. I was kidnapped. So, so you're, anyway, you're in I'm jail, there. right? And yeah, go ahead. I'm there and I'm, man, God used it, man, for his glory. Thank God. Um, he, I was miraculously regenerated. You know, I had a powerful experience with him. And, um, yeah, of course, everybody's looking at me like, come on, Nick, man, come on. You're in prison, you're locked up, you know, you're looking at a lot of time. They were trying to give me 20 years. You're looking at a lot of time. Okay, cry out to God right now. Let's see what you do when you get out, right? So, okay, upside him. Okay, hey, bro, hey, I ain't telling nobody. I haven't snitched on nobody. So I'm free to do my time how I want. I'm going to serve the Lord. And don't, and don't be surprised if I tell you that you need to serve the Lord too. So Amen. anyway, I'm, anyway, I'm in there and I'm studying, man. I use most of my time I and mean, I worked out a lot, but, but God always brought me back to my books. Um, and I was in my books the whole time. So reading John Murray, Van Til, Charles Hodge, Burkhoff, I mean, God led me to these. And, and again, an educated man, if anything, I had a, a Pentecostal background and, God, you, God led me, I mean, to take an ignorant ghetto kid, lock him up, and lead him to this kind of reform scholarship, give him the time to study it. Man, this is a miracle, man. This is something that I could have never dreamed of. And, and, I, and the whole time I'm in prison, nine years, I'm thanking God. I'm cognizant of his, of his hand. His hand is just tangibly on me. I can feel it. I leading me, directing me in this direction. So it, it, and it didn't fully, again, it didn't fully come together. All those thousands of hours in God's word, all those thousands of hours in these books, it didn't fully come together until I came out and I got on Facebook. (laughs) Amen. And so, um, you know, so like it was, you, you kind of had this tendency to really kind of see, the gospel is covering all of life from the beginning, right? Really, you know, when you came to faith, um, after regeneration, it kind of like as part of your, you, you, you don't remember being a Christian and not really kind of having a total all of life view, do you? No, I really don't. Um, the Holy Spirit just had, he had, he had given me that, that theonomic conviction from, from early on. And I think he does to one extent or another, you're not a Christian, if you don't believe that it's wrong for everybody to steal, you know, and, and Christians yeah. are just not faced with these questions. Like, is it wrong to steal? 
okay, is it wrong for the president to still? Amen. So, and 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 again, even when even getting out of prison, I'm still heavily brainwashed by my by my conservatism, you know, by my um, by my Fox News. Uh, uh, yeah, conservatism. So I'm I'm thinking that that I was imprisoned justly you know i get out and i hadn't really questioned even that I, that i was kidnapped i even looked at god's law in regard to my own kidnapping or or god's law in regard to anything really so right um, right so, but so i'm still developing when i get out and i'm still developing even now but thank god for facebook man amen 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 no for i mean for real and so okay so talk about when you became an abolitionist and you know I mean, did you did you from the beginning kind of know that there was something wrong with the pro-life movement, that a pro-life movement was humanistic and you couldn't fight fight that way? Or uh, what 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 led you to becoming an abolitionist? You know, I guess when I got out of prison, I was large. I was largely pietistic myself. You know, I mean, um, it took being confronted you know, Jay, beginning to listen to, to to the war room, beginning to listen to Reconstructionist Radio and hearing Jason say, you know, we could talk about these things all day, but if you don't go out and actually put them into practice, then what good is it? And that's, I'm beginning to think about it, like, what does that mean? What does that look like? And I see Jason with his AHA shirt on, and I see, you know, I'm not, and so these things, you know, it all began to seed in me through Facebook. Yeah, and, that's awesome. And, and I begin to realize, wow. Children are being murdered. What does that actually mean? It's nothing, nothing that I was ever confronted with. Nothing you're being confronted with in church, certainly. Nothing I was confronted with in prison. So I'm getting out and I'm having all of this, you know, through Facebook, just going through my own internal, internal uprising. And right. um, so it, it all came about. But, but again, like just like you say, and I, I can fully relate that if you're not a Reconstructionist, then there's no reason to be an abolitionist. Like you say, you could have been, oh, yeah. you could have been in the, you could still be in the pro-life movement if you're not a Reconstructionist. So, and it would have been easy. It would have been easier for me. I mean, there's a little, there would have been, at least personally for me, there was, there was kind of more uh, incentive financially and comfort wise to, you know, kind of stay in that kind of conservative flag waving kind of mold. And, you know, Hey, we got Neil Gorsuch uh, a spot on the Supreme court and, you know, donate 50 bucks. So, you know, we got a 20 week bill passed. Like, can't you see how we're fighting evil with, you know, and, yeah. and, uh, and having this success in 43 years of the same nonsense and Satan trying to cast out Satan relativism, trying to cast out relativism and all that kind of, kind of garbage. Um, yeah, but if, if Christian reconstructionism was not true, I wouldn't be an abolitionist. I mean, yeah. because at the end of the day, uh, abolitionism is about abolishing evil with the gospel. It's about abolishing injustice. It's not about taking one sin and getting rid of one sin in a vacuum. It just won't happen that way. Um, yeah. And, why I, you know, we're going we're to talk about that in a bit. But so... What's going on in California right now? You're, you are you are leading a movement that is that is extremely powerful, and y'all have y'all have put a ballot initiative up in 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 California, the 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 land of the fruits and the nuts, uh, the absolute kind of moral armpit of what is already a moral armpit of a country, California. Y'all yeah. have a ballot initiative that will abolish abortion as murder. Talk about that a little bit. How how are you okay. leading that up? 
So really, I'm following. I'm following um, Danny Ehinger. I'm following my brother Arnold. I'm following these awesome men of God who went in, went out and put themselves on the line and been doing it for a long time. And I'm I'm following their lead. I'm learning from them. You know, they're not they're not Reconstructionists theoretically, but they're Reconstructionists in practice. Amen. And even though I might have the theory down. Um, they have the practice down. So I'm, I'm following my, I'm following my Elijah's and, you know, I'm going out and, you know, if, if, if you're going to, you don't have to have the theory down as far as I'm concerned, if you're going out and you're swinging that ax and you're a warrior, man, I'm going to submit to your authority. I'm going to follow you. You have real spiritual authority. I don't Come care on, if, if you're not ordained in the OPC, you know, the denomination that I would have loved to identify with. You know, anyway, the denomination of Machen, it's not that denomination anymore. Sure. But, um, but, um, sure. yeah, so I'm following my brothers, love them, um, helping out as much as I can. And, uh, man, it's real simple. We're going to, we're going to put an end to child sacrifice in California. And, um, this is just one means of us doing so. The petition does two things. Um, first of all, recognizes human life to begin at the moment of conception, right? The biblical fact, the biological fact. Um, secondly, it, it catches up our laws with the biblical and the biological facts. Our laws are lacking behind. Um, it is a fact. It is an undisputed fact that human life begins at conception. So all the, all the petition does is real simple. You, this is a human being. You deliberately destroy this human being, this innocent human being. You've committed first-degree murder. It's real simple. Death so, penalty? Um, well, I don't know what it's going to be. It's probably, I assume treated on a case by case basis. It should be death penalty. California is probably going to do more like a, uh, 25 to life. You know, I, I haven't really thought through all that. You know, I have a brother who's out here serving 25 to life for murder. So I don't think murderers get put to death out here and, you know, and some, maybe some do, some don't, you know, I know tons of murderers who are, who are serving life sentences. So it's probably going to be more like life sentence. Sure, but maximum would be death penalty for first-degree murder in California, I believe. Okay. Um, so with this initiative, are you? Uh, are, am I putting you on the spot to ask you a little bit about the language that's in it? No, it's, um, it's real simple, actually. Uh, I probably should have been. I have it right here. Let me just print it out for myself. Yeah, while while uh, while you're doing that, um, I'll just go ahead and say that you know a lot of people are kind of looking looking at this thing out in California in terms of bits and pieces. They're kind of seeing it as oh well, they're kind of seeing it like hey, this thing will never have a chance of passing. Um, yeah. And even if they do vote this thing the right way, they'll do just like what happened with Prop Eight. They'll get some kind of whacked out. Uh, lawlessness enforcement agent from the bench to strike it down anyway. So what? So it's a waste of time. But people cannot be looking at things like this uh, yeah. humanistically. We have to do what's right. And the, the definition of what's right, righteousness and justice, the foundations of the throne of God, is only from the word of God, the law word of God, the revelation of God in Scripture. 
all that abides. And so um, that is what we need to establish. And we need to use every single means to establish it, regardless of what we think the result is going to be. We need to do that. We need to put boots on the ground. So if you're out there saying, oh, yeah, I'm not going to get behind this. Or why are you all having this interview about something that's never going to happen? Let me tell you something from behind this microphone. I'll tell you, you're being a pragmatist and you're being a humanist and you're not doing what's right. You're not standing up. Uh, and that's the reason why, paradoxically, uh, we're in the situation that we're in today. And it's a completely unacceptable position for the recons out there, straight up. Um, yeah. So do you got you got that language or, or, or what's up? I got it. Yeah. Let's let's hear so, a little bit of it. So it says uh, and it is it's a constitutional amendment. Um, it says proposed amendment to Article one. Section 33 is added to Article one of the California Constitution as follows. Section 33. A, used in this section. One, abortion means the use or prescription of any instrument, medicine, drug, or any other substance or device to intentionally kill an unborn human. So, so the first section is going to define abortion. It's the intentional use by any means to intentionally kill an unborn human. That's the, that's the definition. So it's defining, clearly defining Abortion, And the second section is going to say unborn human. It's going to define unborn human. Means an individual organism of the species Homo sapiens from fertilization, whether fertilization occurs inside or outside of a human until live birth. And subsection B, no person shall perform, procure, or attempt to perform an abortion. Subsection C, Whoever performs or procures an abortion is guilty of first-degree murder and shall be punished in accordance with the penalties for that crime under state law. And subsection D, abortion or any other taking of innocent human life is not protected by a right to privacy under Article 1, Section 1 of this Constitution. So it's clarifying Article 1, Section 1 of the California Constitution um, and as we always say, most importantly, it's ignoring Roe. It's recognizing that we are a sovereign state. It's recognizing that, that, that our elected officials, that our representatives have the prerogative, they have the responsibility to represent us, not to represent the feds, and, and they're to stand against the feds when the feds pass unjust decrees. Um, so that's what we're doing here, and and it's gonna be like you said, we're not under any we're not under any illusions um, about the beast that we're up against. We do understand this is gonna be a long process of education. Um, we're gonna not only have to educate many Christians, most importantly, to educate the culture at large. We're gonna have to educate the elected leaders. Um, from the governor all the way down to the sheriffs and, and to the lawlessness enforcers, the police, mm. we're going to have to educate a lot of people. And it's really important that we understand what, and you, people do make up, they make a, a somewhat valid point when they say this is not going to pass. Okay. Whether or not that's true, approaching it from a reconstructionist perspective um, to quote Gary North, who always says politics forth, right? And he says that for a very important reason, because we are not out for top-down revolution. You know, we're not out to establish justice through 
through the through, strictly through the sword or only through the sword. That's our fourth priority. We understand, first of all, that self-government is the most important government, family government, church government. We're gonna we're going to we get those things in order. We get our own houses, our own our own hearts, our own houses, our own fellowships in order, and the culture at large is gonna follow. Abortion, in other words, is not gonna be abolished because we pass a law or because we pass a constitutional amendment. Abortion is gonna be abolished because the body of Christ has enough so much influence that it's become a social stigma so that even even those unregenerate people are going to be even ashamed to bring up the 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 intention to murder their child when we get the culture to that place where the body of christ stands up and has that kind of influence abortion is going to be abolished and our laws are going to follow so so we're not under we're not we're not even so much after the abolition of abortion. Our hope is not in this petition. Our hope is in the power of Christ and him crucified to, to, and, and, and to regenerate hearts, right? The gospel, Paul said, is the power of God unto salvation. We preach Christ and him crucified. The Holy Spirit does work. What, what we're doing in this petition is trying to teach the church that Christ and him crucified does apply. Amen. The issue of abortion, it does apply to the culture at large, and we do have to preach to the culture at large. We can't hide inside of our churches and wait for Christ to come because that's a myth. Not only is that a myth, but that's why we're losing the culture, and Straight that's up. why we, that's why we're we're salt without without savor, and we're hiding our light. And culture and and the anti Christian humanistic religion is winning the culture. Straight up, I mean that you couldn't couldn't have, couldn't have said it any better. Um, when you were reading that petition, um, what's going through my head is this is a righteous decree. I mean, this law teaches that abortion is murder and it doesn't compromise in any other level. And so if the law, if we think biblically, law is a tutor, right? And so if this law, what we're going around with this petition in, in California teaching people that this ought to be the law of the land because it meets the biblical standard. And one of the things that is just so sickening about the pro-life movement and its stranglehold upon evangelical churches in America and even churches in the, even OPC churches, a lot of these guys, oh, I'm pro-life, I'm pro-life, is that the pro-life movement makes laws, has Christians write laws that are utterly out of step with the biblical reality and actually regulate the practice of child sacrifice. Uh, if you read a lot of these laws that are out right now, the, the heartbeat bill is very popular. Of course, the 20 week um, uh, pain capable bill in the, in the nation's capital is, is a huge uh, talking point right now. If you read these laws from top to bottom, if you just read the law itself, you would not, in any way, shape, or form come to the conclusion that what was going on in our country was child sacrifice. You would come to the conclusion that, you know, there was, it's, it's, a, it's a practice where there's some value of, of life at a certain point, and there's less value at another point, and it's certainly not a human life that we're dealing with, or, or a human yeah. life definitely doesn't have a biblical value for it. And so these people always say, Nicholas, these people always say, well, if we didn't have this 20-week bill, imagine how many more babies would die. Or if we didn't have this heartbeat bill, imagine how many more babies would die. If we, if we didn't have this partial birth abortion ban, imagine how many more babies would die. But what they never will answer, 
what they never ever answer is how much does it cost in terms of baby blood and guts image bearer of god dripping blood bones and crushed skulls and guts how much does it cost to have christian legislators writing these humanistic regulations with a Christian signature saying, God, the throne of God approves this 20-week ban, saying that you can kill a 19th, you can murder a 19-week-old fetus, but you just can't kill a 20-week-old baby. How much does it cost? And so I don't understand you save the ones that are 20 weeks over, but Satan will always toss you something in order to legislate his lawlessness instead of the law of God. And so here we're sitting here 43 years later uh, after Roe v. Wade, and the church has just started. We have embers on the outside of the church just starting to wake up to the fact like, wait a second, you can't establish justice outside of the word of God. You can't do it. And these brothers and sisters like Nicholas Perez in Southern California are part of a movement that is actually doing that and writing righteous decrees like this. Um, this ballot initiative out there in California. So really, really happy to have you on the war room. Boots on the ground segment. We're talking to Nicholas Perez, Southern California abolitionist, uh, putting the acts of the gospel of the kingdom of God to the root of child sacrifice out there in Southern California. Um, Talk about, Nick, a little bit about this as a church repent project. In what kind of way is this petition um, a church repent project, and what would that mean? Objectively speaking, I, I it's a really a fearful thing because the body of Christ in California is going to have to give an answer, and not just in California, but all the Christians from around the country who had an opportunity to support us out here in California in this effort and did not. We're gonna we're gonna give an answer for what we did with this opportunity, and this is an opportunity, as you said, to to inscribe a righteous decree. Um, it's an amazing opportunity to, to establish God's law as the law of the land to protect image bearers. And the body of Christ is going to have to give an answer. And that gives us the few, the handful of us who are out here working. It gives us an opportunity, a great opportunity to go to them and say, what are you going to do with this? This thing that you're going to answer to God for, what are you going to do with it? Are you interested in Christian education? Would you like to learn how to be a Christian teacher or how to run your very own Christian school with success? The GCS Apprenticeship Program can help. Learn more on our website at gcsapprenticeship.com. And, um, so you're going to the churches, right? You're you're taking this petition. How are you? How are you getting these pastors in in California on record for or against this righteous decree against child sacrifice? What what's happening going, with that? Well, I'm going door to door for one. Um, we're making phone calls. Uh, we have huge lists that we that we um that we're working down, making phone calls and and reaching out to them, collecting them, and and it's it's not surprising, but it is heartbreaking. Um, how many pastors are not real pastors, how many pastors have no concern for justice. But it's also encouraging there's a, that, there's a few, that there's a few out there, and there are a few out there, and Christ's sheep are going to hear his voice. And this is an excellent opportunity to, to go to them. And, and when they hear it, they are going to say, yep, that's it right there, like Jonathan Noyes did, like others are. Um, like Calvary Chapel is. And, yep, that's it right there. That's something I need to get behind. And um, 
man, wow. we just need to reach them. We just need to reach them. Those, those ones that are the, that are the fake pastors that are the, 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 the fake congregations. They're probably the majority at this point, unfortunately. Um, but man, we need to find those, those who are Christ sheep because I know they're going to hear his voice and I'm encouraged by that. And, um, Amen. So, okay. So to expose the unfruitful works of darkness, I mean, let's, let's handle the negative side of this first. What are we doing uh, to have maybe like a, a list of the pastors with evidence that, that when they reject, when they reject, um, whether it's through just, you know, kind of brushing off, like, oh, we're not going to talk to you or just kind of over Hey, well, there's no way I'm going to sign this. I'm pro-life, but there's no way I'm going to punish this as murder. Uh, how we're, we're at the end of this process. Are we going to have like a list of these guys, churches that did not support and a list that did, or how's that going to work? The, um, it's not really something that's crossed my mind. I've been more interested in just going out and trying to garner support. And, you know, the people who are reaching out to pastors and the people who reach back do, and the people who reach back don't, and I'm just, you know, shaking, shaking the dust off my feet pretty much. Um, I don't know if that will be profitable or not to really waste my time with that, um, sure. with exposing false pastors. Which goes without saying at this point that if the culture is in the, in the situation it is, logically speaking, the church has already failed and the pastors have already proven themselves to be false shepherds. So I don't know how much more proof we need against them. Um, but I don't know. That may be something uh I, I'm, I'll think more about that. Um, I do know that I hold the, uh, the Presbyterians, uh, particularly the OPC. You know, I've got a couple OPC pastors out here, Austin Britton and and um, and Pastor Vigiano out here at Branch of Hope, and and I would have hoped that they would have jumped on board. And you know, I've, I've I've mentioned it to both of them. Actually, I looked Austin Britton in the face, you know, a few weeks back, and he looked at me. Like he wasn't, he wasn't really interested. And, and I've, he, he, I've emailed them and I've called them like he's asked me to nothing, you know, I'm going to go back and follow up with him, but it's pretty obvious that, that he doesn't want to, you know, and, and I'm, and hopefully he's just really busy, you know, and hopefully he's going to get back to me and I'm going to go back and reach back to him because he is an OPC pastor. I'm going to give him that opportunity. And, and I I am going to hold them to a higher standard because he's Vantillian like I am. And he's, he, I mean, he comes from, that machin OPC, even though he does come out of Westminster West, not East, but, um, uh. it's showing, but, um, hopefully, man, hopefully I'm wrong. And, but if I'm not, you know, I'm not surprised, you know, just right. keep it moving and looking for those, looking for those who are Christ sheep, who are going to hear his voice. Right now. So, um, so you have received kind of like, where, which churches have you received the most love from in terms of acceptance, uh, for the law of God and establishing this um, this righteous decree, uh, who has been most receptive to the petition? Has it been uh, OPC? Has it been uh, <laughs> well, been, at this point, it's been Calvary Chapel? It's been the dispensational, premillennial wow. <laughs> Calvary Chapel, the 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 Pelagian, the semi-Pelagian, unreal Arminian. You know, and and they're they're jumping on board with it, man. And and one of their assistant pastors, Tim, who who stands out at the mill with us, he's he 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 jumped on board, and and he's going out to different. Uh, he's emailing the, the the other Calvary chapels and getting them on board, and um, it's looking hopeful, man. Now Calvary, first it was Calvary Chapel, uh, 
Downey who jumped on board and, and Annette's been out there and, you know, we've all been trying to go out there and collect signatures and it's overwhelming, man. My sons and I were out there this past Sunday and you have hundreds of people coming out signing the petition, man. And like, Hey, where do I sign? Where do I sign? Is this the abortion petition? Is this the abortion? So it's, oh, that's encouraging. Yeah. And, and, and I, I firmly believe that there are, there are a lot more churches who will do that. We've got to reach them. We've got to find them. And we've got to, we've got to be making phone calls and going and door knocking and going in and fellowshipping with them. And, um, I'm beginning to think that that it's I, I, I've tried to go and fellowship with different churches and try to go and sit through their services and listen to their pietistic sermons and then talk to the pastor after and follow up with them. That hasn't proven fruitful. So I'm thinking that the best way to go is to just start calling churches like crazy and um, talking to pastors, talking to deacons, talking to elders, talking to whoever, and just telling them, dude, we need to use your church to get those Christians there to sign. And we need you guys to get involved and go out and gather signatures together, man. We need a half a million signatures in the next four, four and a half months. We don't have time to waste. You know, we are on the clock. And um, they're what out percentage, there, how, 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 uh, how far along uh, on that goal are we right now? We haven't actually taken an account. We have a lot of petitions out. We have a lot of people gathering them. We haven't um we haven't we haven't taken that account yet. But if I had to take a rough guess, I wanna say we're under twenty thousand signatures. Ah. Okay. So, so long we're looking way away. at five hundred thousand signatures. We do have a long way to go. No question. What's the deadline um, on that? March. March. Oh, yeah, there's, yeah, there's, there's a, yeah, there's definitely a long way to go with that. Um, but I, all right, yeah, but we'll, I think we'll, there's going to be a curve. I, I did, I, you know, I, I, I really expected a curve at in the beginning. There's a learning process, and and I think one of the questions that you wanted to ask me was, you know, what did you learn from this experience? And I think one of the things that we can safely say that we've learned is before you go in and start a process and initiative, and it was all very last minute for us, but before you do go and start an initiative like this, you want to have your allies lined up. You want to have those, those foot soldiers lined up all across the state, all across the country. And um, the thing is, it's just tough. You know, people don't have time to save babies and it, it's, it's tough to find those allies. So I wish, yeah. I wish it was easier, but, but, but hopefully next time we'll, we'll have a lot more allies and uh, man, hopefully we do gain more man, more, more momentum. Hopefully we do get this thing done. I think we can, I think if we use our, our friends around the country to start calling churches and contacting churches like crazy, we will be able to gain a lot more momentum a lot more quickly. But now that we're getting into um, churches like Calvary, big churches like this, and, and I think that we're going to be able to recruit a lot more help as well to go out Man, a couple of those mega churches, if they just would pass that thing around, we would have this thing done in a month, you know, um, just uh, just like, you know, kind of like I treat it like an offering bucket or something. You know what I mean? Pass it around yeah. for a second. If we just get one or two of these so-called mega pro-life pastors. What about Jack Hibbs out there in uh, in Chino Hills or something like that? He he, he won't a uh, big pro-life guy. Have you all made any inroads yeah. over there or what? Um, you know, he hasn't he hasn't given us a lot of feedback. It's been hard to. It's been hard to get a hold of the man himself. Um, cool. We're speaking to we're speaking to his we're speaking to his his help his helpers. So they're they're kind of like you know trying to trying to block him from us. I think, and I'm not really sure if he has heard from us or not. He hasn't responded to us 
personally, you know, a few of us have reached out to him and, and his staff has reached back and told us, you know, while we, while we are sympathetic, blah, 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 you know, yeah, we can't, yeah, yeah, we don't yeah. want to, yeah, whatever. So, so, but I think now that we, we do have Calvary Chapel Downey, so, you know, so firmly involved in it. And we have the, one of the assistant pastors there, he's reaching out to Jack Kibbs. He's reaching out to the other, these other Calvary chapels. And it's looking, it's looking a lot promising with Calvary Chapel. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel you on that. This is, look, this is a church repent project in, in, in a lot of, in a, in, in a lot of ways. Um, if you, if you think that you can be an elder or a pastor, if you have like a, a reverend in front of your name and you treat this as a secondary issue or, or you think that, you know, look, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm on record with the fact that if you, if you're a pastor so-called and, and there's, and you got people in your congregation or, you know, God forbid yourself going into humanistic incubation centers, the public schools, uh, for your indoctrination, I believe that disqualifies you right there. I mean, just the yeah. same way as you'd go into an Islamic, you know, temple. I mean, but but I mean that I understand that that's that's a little bit that's a little bit heavy for you know the even even some so-called reconstructionists. So I understand where we are. I'm realistic there. Um, but there's there's this is low hanging fruit. We are talking about child sacrifice to the yeah. Moloch state. And if you're a pastor and you cannot get behind an initiative to, in California, you cannot get behind an initiative to treat this thing as the Bible tells you to treat child sacrifice, to tear down these high places, to rescue those that are being led away to the slaughter. One image bearer of God that is being destroyed in the womb. I mean, in the country, it's one every 30 seconds. It's being unraveled by the fingers of wicked men in the place where, where where the creator is knitting them together, and you can't make a stand. You want to make a show of the fact that you're pro-life and, you know, sending out fundraising letters and giving tithe money to a 501c3 uh, para-church, mm. para-kingdom ministries that are regulating the murder of the unborn and get your pro-life rating card from these organizations. It's a dog and pony show. It's a hoax. Let me tell you something. You are not qualified to be a pastor. You are not qualified to be an elder. You should really yeah. check regeneration at that point in time, really. I mean, at the end of the day, you look in the mirror and you say, well, I mean, yeah, I don't take the Bible seriously. I'm in a para-kingdom religious club, like Bo Marinoff says. Um, this is This is not a hard one. This is low-hanging fruit. This is this mm -hmm. is you know King King Ahab walking by the child sacrifice uh, 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 zone saying yeah you know we'll we'll let it go because we want to have peace with the Canaanites or whatever right this is this is in in that territory so this is a church repent project and and the call is you know from from the war room uh, as once again I got Nick Perez with me Nicholas Perez abolitionist in Southern California joining us in the war room the call from the war room to these pastors out there elders that are kind of dragging their feet on this or trying to act like this isn't actually happening. Uh, it's repent. It's repent because the kingdom of God is at hand and, yeah. and, and King Jesus is not mocked. So, I mean, straight up, this is like a lot of y'all have a problem with church repent. You know, the abolitionists going out with signs in front of churches. Well, here we are taking a petition into the churches, a, a petition saying, hey, could you help us qualify the sin of child sacrifice by the biblical standard, and and they're dragging their feet on that. Before we move on, real quick, what is the what's the main objection that you will receive from one of these so-called pastors uh, that rejects or rebuffs uh, the opportunity to get behind this petition? What is the main thing? 
what is the what's the thing that they say? What have you heard the most? I don't know. I don't know if I would say from a pastor I would necessarily hear objections. What you do hear is a lot of hemming and hawing. You know, they want to beat around the bush. Let me get with my let me get with my with 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 my session, you know, let me get with my, you know, and, and I'm going to get back to you. And, and, you know, I don't make these decisions on my own type thing, you know, wow. kind of, you know, every, 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 every salesman knows the, let me talk to my wife guy, or let me talk to my husband, you know, that's, that's, so that's basically what they're saying. And, and they're using that as their, as their escape hatch. So, I mean, the, the, oh, but there, I have heard from, from some pastors and you do have pastors who are, indoctrinated in dispensationalism there is so indoctrinated that they're full-blown pietists that they believe in a false truncated gospel that's limited to the regeneration of the hearts of men and and you know i've had pastors tell me well i don't want to see people uh go to the electric chair i want to see a soul saved you know i'm out here preaching the gospel and and they're they're they obviously haven't read uh timothy chapter one on that point um, where there is a just and an unjust use of the law. And the just use of the law is that criminals be punished justly in accordance so, with the gospel, <laughs> in accordance with the glorious gospel. Amen. Yes. So it, they, they do not have a full orbed gospel is the problem. And, and again, back to that whole point of this is a church repent project and we have a long way to go along those lines. And, and, the thing that makes me somewhat patient with people and, and I was, and, and that particular pastor so-called that I had in, that I was just had in mind, I was harsh on him. You know, I was hard on him, but the things that makes me want to bear with people at that point is looking at myself, looking at my own pietism for all those years and my own apathy. And it makes me realize that, you know, a lot of these people are actually Christians because I know I was, you know, I remember a brother telling me, you know, a, a, a leader of mine telling me a long time ago, you know, trying to trying to encourage me to to um, to support George Bush. And 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 uh, he was op- opposing a partial birth abortion at that point. And and I'm a born again Christian and I'm on fire for the Lord. I'm studying my Bible 10 hours a day. And and he's and I'm telling him, I don't know how that affects me. You know, so, so darkened as a Christian, my mind was so darkened. So it makes me want to bear with my brethren and and just understand that we are in such a darkened state because the reformed church has dropped the ball. We're in such a darkened straight because Presbyterianism has dropped the ball. That's the way I look at it. And it's our responsibility, man. We've got to go out there and we've got to educate our brothers. You know, we've got to teach them the full or gospel. And it's going to take, it's going to be a lot of work. You know, I don't have, like I said, my hope in this petition. I'm thankful for this petition because it's an excellent opportunity, a powerful opportunity to go have these conversations with Christians and to put something in their hands that they are going to be accountable for and to force the conversation with them, to, to hear their objections and to, and to, and to, bring every thought captive, you know, to the obedience of my team. Amen. Uh, Well, very, very definitely well said. We are living in the era of the lightless lampstand. The lampstand is gone. The, The salt is being trampled under the foot of pagans. So you can have a Christian who is on fire for Christ and is just completely biblically illiterate, 100% biblically illiterate. And that goes for the so-called reformed. 
who are now kind of defining the Reformed faith is according to the spiritual navel-gazing. I got my tulips yeah. straight, so I'm good. Talking about the sovereignty of God, but the sovereignty of God over my sissy little soul and where it goes. It's kind of like a mystery religion. And, and we live in that age. So talk as, as we wind this down, let, let's talk a little bit about the, the logical connection between abolitionism and Christian Reconstruction. And so when we talk about abolitionism, we're talking about um, uh, the, 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 the tenets of abolitionism, fighting evil according to the word of God, um, the five tenets. You can go on, a, you know, abolishhumanabortion.com. You can, you can see it there. Um, but not all abolitionists in, in the, you know, revival of abolitionism, modern abolitionists today, not all abolitionists are Christian reconstructionists. And unfortunately, and I understand that because abolition, abortion is kind of low hanging fruit, right? I mean, it's an obvious evil. So you kind of want to, if you're a Christian, the natural kind of, I mean, the spiritual impulse is to, oh, we got to take the gospel against that, right? So yeah. even when I was in a pro-life ministry you know, professional position, I'd want to go out there and fight with the gospel. So I, I kind of understand that. Uh, but what's really unacceptable for me uh, is this idea that a Christian reconstructionist could be a pro-lifer, could, could want to regulate the murder of the unborn. Like uh, uh, John Andrew Reisner had, uh, it came out with, um, uh, had to write a series of articles against Doug Wilson in that, in that pitiful outfit up there in, in Idaho, so-called reconstructionists. Right. And they're even connected with, uh, I think, Durbin and those guys over there in, in Arizona. In, yeah. in some they're they're buddied up together. I haven't seen any response from Durbin, who definitely isn't an incrementalist from what I've seen. Right. Um, but this right. is a Christian reconstructionist. And there's a lot of them out there, unfortunately, that mm -hmm. claim to be a recon, uh, but but are totally cool with incrementalism, totally cool with humanistic decrees against the worst sin in the culture. Not cool with humanistic incubation centers, the public schools uh, probably have the right idea with police. But when it comes to child sacrifice, they want to tinker around the edges. So talk about the connection between. Uh, abolitionism and Christian Reconstructionism real quick. So when I use the term abolitionism with regard to myself, I, I don't, I don't, I don't identify with AHA. Um, I use it in a more broad sense. And you know this, that I'm concerned with abolishing all injustice. You know, I'm a, I'm taking my, the reason why I am an abolitionist is because I am a reconstructionist. If I was not a reconstructionist, I would not be an abolitionist. So I saw the logical connection between, between the, the theonomic principle and establishing justice in the culture. Right. So um, if you're a dispensationalist, if you're a uh, a premillennialist, if you're an amillennialist, and and you you make this divide between the the establishing of Christ's kingdom, the footstooling of his enemies, um, and our our, our the, the the world that we live in, you know, then the, you if you push off the the fulfillment of the kingdom until some some later date and in the meantime we're headed in the direction of you know a downward spiral then you're making no logical connection between our work as christians and the actual footstooling of christ's enemies 
we're not bringing about that foot that foot stooling. We're not bringing about that by our own. In other words, in their worldview of the premillennialist, the amillennialist dispensationalist, in their worldview, there's no logical connection, and there's no historical connection between their work and the Dominion mandate. In our worldview, we have every reason to work as hard as possible because the harder we work, the more we footstool Christ's enemies. So there's that post-millennial in there. There's that theonomic principle in there. The, um, we have the, the, the presuppositionalism that's, of course, going to give the, the epistemological foundation to everything that we do. So um, if you want to be in a full-orbed, intellectually grounded and able to defend your worldview abolitionist, first of all, you're going to have to be, I mean, you're going to have to be a reconstructionist, but secondly, you're not just going to be concerned with abolishing abortion. You're going to be concerned with abolishing all institutionalized injustice. So we're going to be out here trying to, trying to abolish public schools. You know, we're going to be out here educating these kids and we're going to be out here challenging these teachers and be calling these teachers out and these principals out just as much as we're calling these so-called doctors over here at the abortion out for their injustice. You know, it's injustice. One of them is far more heinous, no question, but they're related. They're part of the same religion. So for the reconstructionist and for the Vantillian, we see that, that you're either, you're either, there, there's an antithesis. There's a strict antithesis. You're either for Christ or you're against him, right? You're either part of the Christian religion and you're, you're, you're fighting for that, or you're part of the anti-Christian religion. We call it humanism, right? And that's what the, the, the abortion clinics, um, the public schools, the police departments, um, the, the, the Fed, every institutionalized form of injustice that we see in the American culture is part of this humanistic religion. Mm. So we're going to have to broaden our worldview. If we don't broaden our worldview, then we're really not going to be able to, to, to approach abortion with a tenable we, you know, um, we like to say we, you know, we don't oppose abortion. We oppose the worldview that that makes it even makes it thinkable to begin with. But if that's true, then you're also going to oppose, you know, government schools and all these other injustices that that we've spoken of, and and you're going to oppose them. Maybe not. Maybe that's not going to be our priority because babies are being murdered, right? No question. We have, we're experiencing a Holocaust. We're living through a Holocaust right now, but we do understand that it's all part of the same religion. We oppose it at all. And for the Vantillian, we bring our whole group. We, we, we're carrying this big baggage with us. We're carrying this whole worldview with us everywhere we go. Right. We don't, we don't, we don't argue incrementally. Um, we argue philosophically, we argue worldviews, right? Mine versus yours, your religion versus my religion. So, that's where I come with it. I'm not. A, I, I don't identify with AHA strictly. I'm an abolitionist. I want to abolish all abortion. I work with my AHA brothers. I love them. You know, if I wish I could get some some of my babies are murdered here, brothers. I'll work too. If they, they tend to hate us, <laughs> they tend to hate me because I love AHA guys. So whatever, man. I'm just an abolitionist. I want to end abortion. I want to end all injustice, and I want to footstool Christ's enemies. Come on, man. Oh, that was fire, man. Absolutely. That's what we're talking about. Footstool in Christ's enemies, delivering man from the dominion of man. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I, uh, definitely, uh, you know, you look on my page and everyone knows, you know, uh, um, you know, I, I, I mark out with the with the abolish human abortion 
uh, symbol. I'm all on that. Uh, these, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm an abolitionist, but if you look at that symbol, man, it, it, you know, the, the, uh, the upside down a on the bottom stands for the abrogated law of man. And speaking of abolitionists, mm-hmm. you just heard what, what, what Nicholas Perez said, look, you cannot feed man into the dominion of man in another institution, in another area of life, and then try to abolish child sacrifice. You're literally sacrificing image bearers of God to Moloch just in a different way, in a less graphic way. And I try to explain that, and, and, you know, I think it is starting to catch on. I'm really positive about the fact that you're starting to see the glimmer in the eye of a lot of these people with, you know, abolitionist sign. You know, you see AHA uh, on their Facebook symbol, and, and, and when you start talking, you know, about applying the principles of abolition outside of abortion, more and more of abolitionists start to say, yeah, wait a second. Because look at the old, you know, the, the abolitionists in the, in the 1800s, they had that missing. They were kind of single issue, single focus. Um, You know, you had pragmatism going on with Wilberforce and all of them too, you know, though they introduced the bill for abolition every single year, the pro-life movement tries to bring up William Wilberforce, like he was a giant incrementalist. Well, let me see those bills of total abolition every year too, because he brought one of those every single year. We never see that. Um, You know, so, but at the end of the day, God is moving history forward. And the abolitionists today are starting to see things not in terms of bits and pieces, starting to see things as a whole. Even those that have the theology kind of messed up in other areas, even the dispies and all that kind of stuff are like, yeah, well, wait a second. If I'm swinging this axe at this, at the, at the root this way, I don't want to be watering the tree on the other side, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and so starting to see, starting to see these things the right way. Um, so look, man, in, in conclusion, and by the way, man, that was fire. That what you did that that last kind of segment that we had, we're gonna we're gonna clip that up and and put that out on its own too as well. Uh we are in the war room, boots on the ground, uh with Nicholas Perez, Joe Salon, boots on the ground, Nicholas Perez talking about the ballot initiative to abolish abortion in California as murder, according to the standard of the word of God. What can our listeners do? from wherever they are around the country, uh, the world, to uh, send a, how can they help? What can they do in the fight financially, physically? Uh, tell them what to do. Well, like I, like I mentioned before, we have huge lists of churches that we would, would be calling for the next five years if we were just to, uh, the little handful of people we have making these phone calls. So all of these Christian reconstructionists around the country, man, we really need you guys to take the lead. We really got, we, we need you guys to say, look, we already know that we're the theological leaders. Why aren't we the cultural leaders? Why, why aren't we leading the fight in all areas of life other than on Facebook, other than intellectually, you know, um, help us out, man, get involved, make phone calls, Pound the doors down to these churches of these churches all over California. I'll give you the phone numbers. I'll give you I'll give you the contact information. Shoot them letters. Shoot them emails. Call them. Most importantly, talk to them. Leave messages. Talk to their secretaries. Talk to the pastors, and call them back. Call them back a week later. Follow up with them. You know, um, just get to get involved in this way will be mighty. You know, we'll be able to find those churches that that are Christ sheep. And that will hear his voice. And that's what we need. We need to get those involved. We need to get 
Christ 300 involved. You know, the, the rest of them, hey, we don't need them. You know, we don't need them. You know, if the, pray they repent. We need the ones who are already regenerate, who Christ has already prepared their hearts. We need them to hear this, to know that there's an opportunity for them to serve. And I trust they will get involved. We will get these signatures. And, man, we'll make we'll, we'll make a... We'll make a mighty impact through this, man, just to get it on the ballot. You know, even though we're going to have to fight the even though we're going to have to fight the capital in California, we're going to have to fight the feds. We're going to have to fight our governor or, or the, the attorney general. We, we will fight. But, man, let's let them know that Christians are waking up and and the body of Christ is not going to stand for our enemies conquering us anymore. You know, we're going to and we're going to end we're going to end the slaughter of these children and we can do it and we we do need that help that will be huge if they will call churches all over california and call them back and call them back and tell them why aren't you involved what are you doing what are you doing call them talk to them encourage them exhort them call them to repent and man we'll get this that will help sweet so just the the calls to the churches so if um if we're going to coordinate this uh, what we're going to do is we're going to have it from the war room. We'll direct them to uh, to your page, and we will find a way uh, to to get these recons out of their reading chairs and get put the Rush Dooney book down for a second here and, and actually put some boots on the ground and help out with what's going on in California, the ballot initiative. We need people on the phones. If you can dedicate a half an hour, 15 minutes, an, an hour, a day, a week, whatever the case may be, we need people on the phones to call these uh, so-called pastors and elders and get them on the record as to whether they're going to support this thing or not. Yeah. And you will get an opportunity. Look, trust me, when you when you start doing this, Reconstructionists, you will see exactly why we're calling this the lightless lampstand. Uh, all y'all yeah. who say, where are your elders and all that other kind of stuff? I challenge, look, if there is within the sound of my voice, if there is any one of y'all uh, mandatory local church membership individuals, uh, who is always on our back about, you know, who are your elders and, you know, let me see. I mean, name them out right now, like Tim Johnson, Woody Smith, you know, just name them out right now before y'all go out to the public school and preach the gospel. I want to know who, which man approved this. If if any of y'all type are out there listening to this, I want y'all to get on the phone and make some of these calls and tell me if these men that you're talking to on the phone are qualified to spiritually lead people. Uh, if their name on a list would satisfy your demand, uh, that, that people are so-called under authority, all right? Uh, this is a church repent project, and this is exposing the lightless lampstand. It also is advancing the ball for the kingdom of God. Nicholas Perez, War Room, uh, give us a final exhortation as we're out. Tell us tell us what to do, man. What do, what do we do next, brother? Man, I want to piggyback on what you just said, and 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 if it is that that I'm that I'm not a member of a local church, you know, that's causing you to stumble over my testimony, let me just encourage you by saying I am a Presbyterian. I've attempted, made multiple attempts to join uh, uh, Presbyterian Church La Mirada, Calvary OPC with Austin Britton. And um, even though he is amillennialist, he's not post-mill, he's not recon, I would love to fellowship with him if they would do something real, if they would show that they are going to get in this war. I am not going to sit there and give my tithes and I 
given hundreds of dollars to that church. I'm not going to sit there and give any more of my money to keep those lights on, to keep that, to keep this religious clubhouse running and they're not making any cultural impact whatsoever. And it's the same thing with, with, and so that's Austin Britt now and, and same thing with Branch of Hope. Over there with, you know, Pastor Paul Vigiano, you know, we've had a little falling out over here on Facebook recently about this issue of church membership. And and he's all for the mandatory church membership. And he's he's fenced me multiple times from from taking communion with him. And um, I would love to become a member of that church. I would love to become a member of Branch of Hope in Torrance. I'll drive 20, 20 30 miles to go fellowship with my brothers and sisters that I love there. If they'll get, get involved in this, don't, it's not just on me to prove to you through my membership, an elder's going to have to prove to me that he has spiritual authority by going out and conquering Christ's enemies. And if he's not going to do that, I don't care if the OPC has ordained him. I don't care what title he holds or what degree he holds. If he has not conquered, if he doesn't have any demons lying behind him, if he doesn't have any of Christ's enemies that, that, are, that are dead behind him in his path, then he has no spiritual authority with me. I'm not going to submit to him, and, I, and, and I'm not commanded to. I'm not commanded to. Nathan Eshelman up north, right, with the RPCNA, been to that church. Love these brothers, man. Love these brothers. I would love to become a member of any one of these Presbyterian churches. Let me see them do something, man. Let me see them get up out of their chairs. Let me see them go out and be serious about conquering Christ's enemies, about ending this Holocaust. Take seriously the fact that we're murdering babies every day, that California, our state, leads the nation in child sacrifice. Take that seriously. Show me that you're serious about righteousness and justice. I will submit to you. I will become a member of your church. That's fine. But if you do not, if you do not, if you're just there for your little kingdom, your own little popedom, I'm not going to submit to you. I'd be sinning if I did. I'd be sinning if I wasted my money on your so-called ministry. I'll, I'll send my money to ministries that are footstooling Christ's enemies. I will not, or as our brother said so eloquently recently, where I'll send my money to where the presence of God is. I will not send my money to your popedom. Amen. 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 Look, uh, brother Nicholas, thank you so much for stopping by, for letting us know what's going on uh, out there and on the front lines out there in the battle. So appreciate your time in the war room, boots on the ground, man. And, uh, you know, you just kind of breaking it down for us. That was powerful, man. Uh, I love you, brother. And really look forward to, uh, to putting boots on the ground with you soon. And, uh, I'll be out there actually next month. I'm coming out next month. I'm narrowing it down you know this time. We Let keep me saying. say something real yeah. quick on that note. Because yeah. man, my 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 sons are going to be so mad at me. If and let me just let me just say hello to to Momo and Mike and Aaron. And they're they're pumped, man. That man, Joseline's going to interview you, man. That's awesome. Can I come on with you? I'm like, no, you, you're not going to come on with me. But you know what? I'm going to mention you. I'm going to say what's up to you. And uh, man, these kids love you, man. These kids, they they they're fun. Their alarms in the morning. You, she never heard a pastor. 
preach on abortion. That's what you hear at six in the morning, waking them up. So they're like, man, you know, you really know Joe Slant? He's really your friend? I don't believe you. I don't believe you. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I love those boys, man. That is crazy. That is crazy. The fact that I would be big in their eyes is, is just, I mean, I don't know what to say, man. Those are my soldiers right there. I'll be honored to lead them to battle, man, and we'll break bread. We'll get out there, man. Love you very much, my brother, man. Uh, you're huge for me, man. I look up to you, man. Uh, so I'll uh, I'll definitely see you soon. And thank you so much for coming on the War Room, brother. Same, my bro. God bless you. God bless, man. Thank you for joining us in the War Room. Please enjoy the nation's rage, Psalm Two, by my soul among lions. Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows. Or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.